Hi, this is Leslin from Try This at Home. And we've been talking a lot about communication these last few weeks. And perhaps one of the times when it's most important is when we disagree with a loved one. It's unrealistic to think that we can spend a lifetime with someone and never argue. We're gonna fight about something eventually. Why not fight to win? Today, we're gonna talk about how to do just that. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and listen in. When your day goes south or your relationship gets salty, you need tools that will turn it around. With decades of experience and a variety of perspectives between them, Leslie Sleesman and Leslin Kantner bring you tips and tricks for solving problems, increasing happiness, and creating your best life. Together, they're sharing ideas you can take home and try. Each week, their discussion will zero in on one idea, one technique, or one activity that has the potential to make your life a little better. And now, here is Leslie and Leslin with Try This at Home. Hello, Leslie. Hi, Leslin. How are you? You know, I'm good. I think that overall, I have a very blessed life. Yeah, me too. Yeah, although people have been asking me, so what's new? And the truth is, I can't tell them anything's new. My life is in a pretty interesting but predictable routine at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And mine is not. (laughs) Really? What's happening in your life? Share some of the excitement. Um, Well, a few weeks ago, I was in a car accident (gasps) with two of my children that totaled my car. I know. I was so happy you were okay. Yeah. So that was interesting. was my fault. Thankfully, all the insurance stuff has, you know, worked out. So I'm very lucky. It's a really good reason to have insurance. Yes. Thank God for insurance. And thank God she was an insured driver (laughs) because we would have been in trouble if she didn't have insurance. Yeah, so I'm really sorry that happened to you, but that's exactly why we all need to make sure that we have good insurance coverage. Yeah, this is your PSA. Go check your policy. That's right. (laughs) That's right. So um, anything else really major happening in your life? Not really. Just that that was kind of, this takes a lot of time. Okay. Basically, you know, rental cars and my kids were really, really shaken up. Um, So just kind of dealing with the aftermath of my daughter and my son being pretty frightened every time I pushed on the accelerator (laughs) or the brake. (laughs) A little tricky. You told me a cute story about Paige backing out of the driveway. Yeah. And it wasn't, it was not really cute. Well, it it is kind of cute. Yeah, we were um, probably, I don't know, four, two, three, four, somewhere in that range days after the accident, I started backing out of her driveway and Paige is like, stop. And she's like screaming. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what? I thought I was getting ready to like run over a toy or a person or an animal. (laughs) And she's like, I don't want my seatbelt on. And I was like, okay, we're still in the driveway. Like, well, you know, I'll stop, get your seatbelt on. So there was a little bit of trauma around that and probably why my husband and I shouldn't have always talk to our kids about like if you don't wear your seatbelt and you're in an accident you can die oh gosh and so we were very blunt about it and they were wearing their seatbelts during the accident but they still equated you know the accident and death so yeah well I mean it probably they probably had kind of a momentary you know life flashing before their eyes experience I can remember 
backing out of my driveway once and I had a minivan with a door that slid and I don't remember the mechanics of this, but what I remember is looking back, the door had slung open and one of my children was practically <laughs> being, you know, like they were in the process of falling out. I don't remember if the seatbelt didn't lock or Maybe what, they were like trying to get the door shut. Yes. I don't know. And I, you know, so if, if the daughter who that this happened to is listening, please refresh my memory on this. And I, I'm bringing that up because I think we all have these little mishaps that yeah, yeah. make us really stop and double check. Yeah. You know, that do like a safety check. Maybe right. that's one of the reasons that these things happen is. Yes. To kind of ground us and and have us do a safety check. And I'll be honest, it's kind of interesting that we're talking about, you know, this topic today, how to win at fights or arguments, because when things like that happen, it really puts into perspective how insignificant some of these things that we, you know, argue about really are in our life. Yes. So if we're talking about, so when we named this episode, I wanted it to be dramatic. How do you win? Right. When it's when you're arguing, yep. um, we're, you know, fighting is normal. And we're, there's absolutely no way a couple or people in general are going to agree on everything. Right. Sure. You know, I, um, people who say that they don't fight with their partner, quite frankly, one of two things is happening. Either you are lying through your teeth right. <laughs> or somebody is not getting their needs met. Yes, it feels like to me like someone would be extremely passive in yeah. that situation because there's no possible way. Yeah, I so completely submissive that they're yeah. not vocalizing anything because who, I mean, that's a little Stepford Wivesy, right? Yeah. To think yeah. that you're never going to have a difference of opinion or a different perspective or that you're going to see every last thing eye to eye. And I've, I've talked to clients who say my parents never fought and it can be very problematic in then their grown or adult relationships. Right. Cause I remember one couple in particular her parents never fought. So she grew up believing that happily married people don't fight. Right. His parents fought like warriors, <laughs> kissed and made up every night, and then did it all over again the next yeah, day. Yeah. And so he grew up with that. So he would express himself and get angry. And she would think that the end of the marriage was imminent. Right. Sure. And she would shut down and get afraid and go through all those defensive reactions mm-hmm. that we talked about in the last couple of weeks. And so a big part of my work with them was just trying to normalize right. fighting. Yeah, we definitely fight in front of our kids. But my sort of rule is if we if we fight in front of the kids, we have to make up in front of the kids. <sighs> Leslie, that's a great rule. Yeah, because I, I do think it is super normal. Um, and I want them to know that it's okay to argue with the people that you love, except for their mother, because I'm always right. But, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I also want them to see that we care about each other and we love each other and that that's not the end, you know? I love that rule. Yeah. I'm so going to use that. Yeah. Or we are. We need to proclaim that right now. <laughs> if you fight in front of the kids, you have to make up in front of the kids. And that really does so many things mm-hmm. 
Number one, when you fight and make up, it teaches your children about problem solving and resolution. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And number two, it demonstrates that you can fight with somebody and still love them. Yeah, totally. And I think those are two very powerful uh, lessons for people to grow up with so that when yeah. they have their own relationships, there's some appropriate expectations right. established, sure. right? Yep. So what do you think winning looks like? When you fight to win, what does that mean to you? Well, now it means something different. What do you mean now? Well, it just I've been married I've been married for 11 years. Mm-hmm. And so I think that has kind of evolved over time. Mm-hmm. So as a 35-year-old woman married to a 35-year-old man who's been married for 11 years with three children, for me, and I won't speak for Dustin, but for me, I don't like fighting about the same thing twice. So for me, winning looks like a resolution to this particular problem I don't want to go through it again I know we're gonna fight again I you know but I just don't want to rehash and rehash and rehash and go over the same problem multiple times yeah but, so that's good what do you yeah. think fighting to win looks like to oh, other people uh, well at the beginning I wanted to be right so in, to some people it might be your being right is yes winning. or mm-hmm. or forcing your um you know, I, I in the beginning, I would say I wanted Dustin to see that I was right and to agree with me. Okay, yes. And I yeah. think that that's the key, right? That the winning means that somebody's going to agree with my perspective. Yes. I see that so much. Yep. And I think that's what we kind of maybe, maybe not all of us is the right word, but so many of us come into adulthood with the perception that winning an argument means that people agree with this. And I'm actually kind of curious about if what the, how do debates get scored? Oh yeah, I don't know. I was never on the debate team because you know, public speaking and me don't mesh. Yeah, (laughs) I probably should have looked that up (laughs) before we had this, but certainly if somebody would, you know, who's listening would like to shoot it, drop us a line uh, or drop us a note on the website. We would love to know yep. how debates are scored, but it debates is, per, I think it's persuasion, right? Right. And right. at some point, the the objective of a debate is to persuade people to think like you. Yeah. And that's yeah. what happens in arguments. We're attempting to convince people that our point of view is the accurate one. Correct. Yep. Yep. And yet... That's not necessarily true. No. In the beginning, too, I wanted to, um, like, probably the best example I can think of with this is my husband and I handle the argument differently. I want to warrior it out and just get all the way through the argument and and fight to the death until until it's over, until it's resolved. He wants to go away and spend time away from me Mm -hmm. and away from everybody pretty Mm -hmm. much until he like can recenter himself or I don't know what he would call it but he just needs some space Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. and in the beginning that really made me mad Mm -hmm. because I was you know I was like geared up ready to go and then he's like leaving and I'm like wait a minute what are you doing like you can't do that and I would tell him all the time you can't you know no you can't walk away you can't do that 
now um, we, I recognize that he needs space and he recognizes that I need to finish it. <laughs> and so we have a time limit. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a compromise. It looks a lot more like compromise now. And isn't that the beauty? I mean, and that really, I think, is what winning a fight is all about. Oh, you know that you've won or that the fight has been a win when both people or all of the parties inside the disagreement have felt heard. Right. Yep. When you can avoid someone walking away from that with hurt feelings mm -hmm. and when there's a resolution slash compromise yeah right yep. that when there's something concrete that comes out of that nobody's feelings hurt and everybody feels validated that is a win yes definitely so let's kind of talk about how do you get from disagreement to the win okay okay perfect um one of the leading researchers in marriage or couples therapy mm -hmm. uh, comes from John Gottman and his wife. And they run the Gottman Institute in Seattle. Uh, he's written a dozen books. And the interview that we're getting ready to have you listen to is John Gottman uh, with Anderson Cooper. Take a listen. What are the three top tips for fighting right, the right way to fight? Well, the important thing is not to point your finger at your partner and say, you know, we'd have a great marriage if you changed and got therapy, but to really talk about what you need and what your positive need is, your recipe for success. So That's start out with a, a positive need. Start out with a positive need. I need more of your time. I need your interest. What's number two? Number two is really to, to listen to, to that first thing mm -hmm. and really try to understand your partner's point of view and understanding being the goal of, of talking about disagreements. And you, and you said the third top thing for fighting right is, is to repair it when it's not going well? Repair is the essential thing in all relationships. We all screw up communication. So being able to really say I'm sorry, to, to look at a regrettable incident and mm -hmm. talk about it and make it better next time, understand what the problem was. So he outlines this kind of three-step process, right? Yep. Um, a positive, starting with a positive need. So if you're in the middle of a day, if you have a, let's say you feel upset about something. Right. Okay. First of all, we're going to do the proverbial I statement. Right. Okay. I blank about blank. I need blank. Okay. Okay. So Think of something, give me an example. Any, it can be a, a road, you know, some mundane abstract example, or it can be something real from your life. Um, okay, so how about this? Um, sometimes he comes home late, my husband comes home late, and it's not grossly late. I mean, it's like 15, 20 minutes tops. Um, and it annoys me when he does it and doesn't tell me because usually he gets home and we immediately eat dinner. And so, he will come in the door late and I'll say, you're late. You should have called me or why didn't, you know, <laughs> why are you late or something? And I mean, he's probably got maybe three steps in the door, possibly four. There are so <laughs> many things wrong with that picture. Oh, I know. Isn't it great? <laughs> What's the first thing? Uh, well, the first thing is I'm being, I don't even know where to start. There's so many things. Um, 
I'm not letting him even get in the door. Like the very first, I mean, he opens the door and immediately, you know, there is criticism. Yeah. Um, so that's number one. Number two is just being very accusatory mm-hmm. and not thinking that there could be like a rational reason. Yeah. Probably first and foremost, aside from not getting letting him get in the door, it's right. a use statement. Right. Your finger was in his proverbial face, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. You are late. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. So a positive need is, first of all, a, hi, honey. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I feel blank. Right. I feel pretty frustrated mm-hmm. about not knowing when you're coming home or when you're going to be home. Right. I really need a phone call to let me know you're on your way because there are three hangry children waiting for you <laughs> yeah well and to be honest I could probably leave that yeah <laughs> to be, yeah the because part right is is secondary to the need right it the, is but don't you think it is necessary because if it were just the two of us and he said he'd be home at five and he got home at five fifteen, and there was nothing going on and I was just upstairs like there's really no reason for me to get super upset about 15 minutes. I mean, there's, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But it sort of, to me, it feels like he needs to know that there were plans built around this agreed upon time and we're waiting. I feel like that's different. Yeah. So I think that it's still a little arbitrary, right? You're just mm-hmm. expressing a need. And I don't know that we, I mean, certainly we do. And it's, it's maybe extra information to help it make sense but the because and everything comes coming after it is your attempt to sell him right on your knee yes sure and in and it probably comes across as defensive well it can right because of this and and you're bringing in the needs of your children then right into your need when at the end of the day your your need if I'm hearing you correctly, is really to satisfy those kids and their hunger. Yeah. So feed them. Then it doesn't matter right. what time he comes yeah. home. <laughs> right? right. That's true. But yeah. if you're really saying, I need to know when you're going to be home because mm-hmm. I have to plan, right? right? The planning, it's anything that comes after the because is a is your sales pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a really strong relationship, our goal is to... Um, is to meet the needs of our partner, right. right? To the best of our ability. So it's just, I really need to know when you're coming home. Yeah. That's just a positive thing. Right. And so it's the positive piece is a big part of what Dr. Gottman is referring to. Yeah. It's starting the conversation with something positive. they in, So their research is very impressive. Their whole body of research is impressive. Mm-hmm. They, for 22 years, they followed hundreds of couples. So they have this amazing amount of data that's longitudinal to tell us what are the characteristics sure, of relationships yep. of couples who stay together. Right. You know, in the past, a lot of the research started with hypotheses about what deteriorated relationships. Mm -hmm. And they said, we're not even going to start with a hypothesis. We're just going to collect all this data. And we're going to find out what the leading indicators are. One of the things they start they noticed 
is that discussions will often end the way they start. Hmm. Interesting. Explain that more. So if you start a discussion mm -hmm. with an attack, oh, it's okay. going to end with sure. an attack likely. Right. If you start it with some positive statement, some positive need, then it may end, it's likely to end with a positive need being met. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Hmm. And it's especially interesting when you start analyzing all of these little pieces. So number one, positive need. And that comes in the form of an I statement. I feel blank about blank. I need blank. Okay. Okay. Number two, listen and validate perspective. Listen to and validate perspective. Okay. So how do you do that? How do you validate? So maybe he says, well, tell me, what would he say? You were 15 minutes late. Um, he probably wouldn't say much, honestly. Ooh, <laughs> we're going to talk about that next week. So that's kind of called stonewalling. Yeah, he'd probably say, I can't even remember. Thankfully, this hasn't happened in a long time. But, <laughs> but it, um, would he get defensive, do you think? Like, a little bit. I'm 15 minutes late. Yeah, or, or he would say, I had to wrap something up at work. That would probably be. Okay, I had to wrap to something it. up. Sure. Or, yeah. And I would then say, why didn't you text me? <laughs> so, all right. So, so it's, it, it really is about, the core issue is really about just aware, like letting me know. It's not that you can never be late or that you can't wrap something up or that you can't get stuck by a train and said, I just want to know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in this regard, it, the, the job would be on Dustin's, um, or the onus would be on Dustin to say, gee, Les, it sounds like you're, <laughs> you sound upset. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't call. Right. Right. Um, but man, he... I hope he's listening to this. <laughs> Well, and before he even says, I'm sorry, it's going to be really validating about, you know, oh, you have hungry kids here. That's right. Yeah. You know, really attempting to share this perspective right. in, in my office when I'm talking about perspective, which is vastly important. I hold up a coaster. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, love this example. Yes, I've, this I've shared this before, yeah. right? I hold up a coaster and, and I ask, we can agree that this is a coaster, right? right? And on the side that I show the client, it's the bottom of the coaster. So there's, it's a square and it's got cork on it, right? right? But I'm looking at the top of the coaster and it's got a beautiful design on it. It's not just a square piece of cork. And so I ask them to describe me, what do you see? They tell me, and it's not at all what I see. And so we start to understand that perspective is very different based on your point of view. Right. So from your point of view, the kids are hungry. They're, mm -hmm. they're driving you batty. Yep. So you're trying to get them settled. And he didn't call. Right. From his point of view, he's just wrapping up one thing that took five extra minutes and it delayed him, you know, a five minute task delays you by 15 minutes sure. at the end of the day. So he was trying to make his life easier because it was either five minutes at the office or a half an hour at home. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, being able to hear 
the perspective of both parties mm -hmm. is super important. Right. So validating, oh, you have three other kids. Oh, you only needed a five minute fix. Sure. Right. Right. Really hearing that. You don't have to agree, mm -hmm. but you have to hear it. Sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that means not listening. I mean, it means listening. Right. Not and being not, defensive yeah. is where I was going to say. Sure. Not getting defensive, just listening. And then finally, he says, empathize and repair. Yeah. So step number three, empathize. Oh, babe, the kids are probably driving you crazy. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's such a way to deescalate the issue. Yeah. 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 It's empathize and repair. A repair is, I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. I won't do that again. Yep. Um, let's try to fix this. A repair is any attempt to come together. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of the day, if you have a, a validation of your perspective, empathy, and a repair, mm -hmm. you're golden. Yeah. That's I, a win. And I feel like just taking the time to, to validate and to step into the other person's shoes for a minute is going to make the repair so much easier. Of course it does. Yeah. Of yeah. course it does. Something, you know, you can say even, sweetheart, I I really don't see your your perspective. I can't relate to your perspective, but I hear you. Right. And I'm sorry that that you ha that you feel that way. And maybe that's the answer, you know, earlier when we you were saying like you really don't need to give the because. Well, maybe if the other person is saying, I, I don't understand why this is such a big deal to you. I hear what you're saying. I just don't understand. That then leaves the door open for more communication. Yes. For you to then say, well, here's why. Because, yeah. you know, for you, it's 15 minutes. But for me, it's 15 minutes of nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, again, we're – another thing the Gottmans have, have said, and we're going to probably – talk about this when we get to relationships mm -hmm. but I thought this was pretty interesting and oh my gosh the the relate bells were really going off for me <laughs> most of the conflict that we come up against in relationships is unsolvable oh that's interesting isn't it yeah because I would not have thought that at all uh, the big things, the things that we fight about over and over and over again, mm -hmm. those are the things. Think about it. If it was solvable, yeah, we wouldn't keep fighting. It. That's yeah, right. right. We wouldn't keep fighting about it. But the stuff that we fight about over and over again is unsolvable. And so for those things, mm -hmm. we really have to look for the solvable pieces inside right. the unsolvable problem. And it, that's where... At at least understanding the perspective as best as you can and having empathy. Yes. Matters yes. So much. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I am going to find a hallelujah <laughs> recording that we can dub over can these ding moments. It in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, because that's exactly right. This empathizing does not mean agreeing with. Right. Sure. It means honoring your per the other person's perspective mm -hmm. and finding a way to bridge the divide yeah that's it yeah and 
supposedly that can be done regardless of the circumstance. Yeah, definitely harder. It is. Sometimes it, than others. But. Yeah, of course. And in the moment, it's it, it can be hard also. Right. So at the at the end of the day, the message here is fighting to win means validation, resolution, and empathy. Yeah, that's great. Cool. So today's Try This at Home is a little less tangible, um, but incredibly helpful and effective when practiced. So we're recommending just that. Yeah. Practice, practice, practice. Practice stating your need, practice listening, and working toward accepting a repair. If somebody's going to say, I'm sorry, then it's really important to accept that. Yeah, definitely. I saw something, um, just to comment really quick here before we wrap up, but I saw something that um, I've always had a really hard time swallowing. This is a meme that circulates the internet that has to do with being sorry. It says, you know, you break a plate, say you're sorry, it doesn't put it back together. As if, like, sorry is meaningless. And I I just found that to be so short-sighted and so wrong, really. You know, it is short-sighted, and yet... Some people have a habit of saying, I'm sorry, the same way that you and I kind of say, how are you today? Right. <laughs> right? It's a really rote. It's just automated, yeah. Yeah, it's automated. And so when you say, I'm sorry, there's an inference in that, that it means I'm not going to intentionally engage in that behavior again. Right. Sure. Right. Yeah. And it also means that your sorry doesn't erase my pain. It acknowledges it. Well, that's the goal. But I think a lot of us say I'm sorry with the hope that it's going to erase your pain. Yeah. Right. And I think yeah. that's what that meme really refers to. Yeah. Is, I can see that. Hey, I said I'm sorry. Get over it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just it, right. right? Right. And that's not what I'm sorry is supposed to mean. I'm sorry yeah. is supposed to be an acknowledgement. I'm, it's almost like when people are grieving and you say I'm sorry – Essentially, you're saying, I'm sorry for your pain. Yeah, right. Uh, um, you're not really saying, I'm sorry I did something. Right, no, right? not at all. You're saying, so there's different kind of uh, types of I'm sorry, yeah. but it, it, when it's all said and done, I really like the idea that when we say I'm sorry, you're saying, I'm sorry for your pain. My intention wasn't that, I mean, I hate to see you hurting. Right. Right? It's, it's not... It, there's also that I'm sorry of I'm taking responsibility. Sure. Um, but it's important to use that accurately and with true meaning. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So uh, that's our discussion for today. And we hope that you'll share this discussion with those people you communicate with, uh, those people you fight with. <laughs> and as always, we are super grateful that you took the time to listen. Next week, we're going to be talking about communication pitfalls. So we've talked about getting defensive. We've talked about communication styles. We've talked about how to win fights. And next week, we're going to talk about the things that really break down. If you're, if you're really working hard and you're doing all these things, there can still be some challenges. So we're going to talk about those communication pitfalls. And in the meantime, if you have any questions or comments, we hope that you'll reach out to us on our website, 
www.trythisathomepodcast.com. There, you can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Also, if you're so inclined, we would love it if you gave us a rating so others will know what you think. Until then, this is Leslie and Leslin, hoping you will try this at home. All perspectives and opinions expressed during this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. There is no direct or indirect intention to provide psychotherapy or mental health services. If you are seeking counsel for individual circumstances, please consult with a local health professional.